Hey, Generation Church, we welcome you and invite you to encounter Jesus with us. We believe that through him, we will encounter love and discover our purpose. So take a seat, lean in, and let this message fortify your faith. Would you just pray with me? Father, we thank you so much for um, just being our Father, that we can come to you as sons and daughters. We thank you um, for your just your great kindness, your goodness, your mercy, and your love. We thank you for this time and this space and that you are here. And we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would just move and you would flow. We ask, Lord, that our hearts would be um, tender before you. We ask that our spirit, where you, Holy Spirit, dwell, would rise up to attention, that our, our soul, our mind, our will, our emotions would be submitted to the fullness of you and what you want. And, Father, that there would be transformations. We pray everything that you want released right now would be released. Everything you want received would be received. And that, Jesus, you would get all the glory and the honor. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so... Um, Last week, we talked about uh, being one generation, that our society uh, very much thinks about my generation, your generation, the next generation, uh, but if Jesus was to return right now, we would all be part of the generation of his return. And it's very easy to fall into this pattern of um, independence, especially in America where we thrive on this idea of independence, but I would propose to you that we are actually designed to need complete dependency on Jesus and also one another. And I want to um, go back to Malachi 4. It says, 5 and 6, that the, that the Lord, the spirit of Elijah, actually will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers. And if you didn't hear last week, you can, um, there's a podcast, you can hear all the foundation. I don't want to spend a lot of time repeating, but I want to pick up where I said we would, um, actually, you can turn your Bible to Exodus 17. We ended last week where we want to start this week. Exodus 17, verse 8. Now Amalek came and fought with Israel in Rephidim. And Moses said to Joshua, Choose some men and go out, fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with a rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. And so it was when Moses held his hands up that Israel prevailed. And when he let his hands down, Amalek prevailed. Moses' hands became heavy, so they took a stone and they put it under him. And he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side and one on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. So Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. 
And so the idea here was seeing these two generations, Joshua's on the battlefield, and Moses said to him, now you're going to go on the battlefield, you take the sword, and I'm going to take the rod, the authority. And as long as Moses was able to keep his hands up, Joshua was, was prevailing on the battlefield. When Moses got tired and his arms began to weak down, then the tide turned. And there's this picture of um, the younger generation will not be able to accomplish, I believe, what the Lord desires for in and through them without the older generation. And honestly, the older generation, we're not going to be able to do and, and accomplish without the younger. And this idea of turning hearts, like for me, I'm fully, fully a daughter, but I'm also a mother. And so I'm looking for people that I can receive from, but it, while I'm growing and I want to have the wisdom and experience of people that have gone before me, I also want to understand how important it is to turn my heart to those coming behind me and just learning how to, to, to run together. You know, there's a very sobering verse in, um, oh, I need to, I'm gonna, Matthew, I'm going to give you my iPad, and I want you to make it so it doesn't turn off for me. This is where I need the younger generation. The struggle is real. <laughs> See? We need one another. <laughs> um, yeah, technology. I'm glad other people get it. Uh, but anyway, you know, there's a very sobering verse in um, Joshua. Actually, it's in Judges. Thank you, my hero. At Joshua's um, death, is, um, you don't have to turn there, so it's Judges 2, 10. I'm going to start at 7. So the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua. So fast forward. So when I told you about this battle, that was the first time Joshua was ever mentioned. It was before Joshua and Caleb went out to, to spy out the land. They came back with a good report. There were a lot of others that, the other 10 weren't so sure. They got to wander around the wilderness for 40 years. I'm hearing something. Anyway, um, um, Moses um, laid hands on Joshua, and we're going to look at this in a minute, and um, Joshua then took the Israelites into the promised land. They had those battles that Jojane was referring to. And this is the end of Joshua's life. It is such a sobering thing that I just want to go, Lord, may it not be on my watch. <laughs> may it not be in our generation. Um, the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had seen the great works the Lord had done, which he, which he had done for Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died when he was 110 years old, and they buried him within the borders of his inheritance in the mountain of Ephraim, verse 10. And when all that generation had been gathered to their fathers. Another generation arose who did not know the Lord or the work 
which he had done for Israel. See, it is not enough for me to know the power of God in my life and not declare of his goodness and greatness to the generation that is coming. And we have to be sober to understand, not like in a heavy way, but we have to understand the reality of how important it is to have this turning of the hearts both ways. You know, I believe, and I said this last week, I believe there will be a generation that is so wholeheartedly living for him, fully out of love for him, not a have to get to um, of his mandate and mission that all we come to know him. I believe that when he returns, there will be young and old. I believe we're going to see a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit like we have never seen before where it comes, the Spirit of God falls on all people, all flesh, young and old, as in Joel and, and, and Acts. I believe it's going to be in our day. But we have to be intentional. We have to understand that there is an enemy that wants to rob, steal, kill, and destroy especially this rising generation. And I don't know, may, may it be in our life and maybe not, but I'm going to do everything I can with all my days to run as hard as I can after him to, to encourage those around me and to also make sure I'm seeing the ones coming behind me and not just like, well, one day you can follow God, but no, you need to know Jesus now. You need his power now. I can receive from what God's teaching you and both back and forth. So anyway, um, there's a few things I want to just highlight in this today. I spoke on this real briefly last week. There's patterns. You know, Esther had a Mordecai. And Joshua had a Moses. Elisha had an Elijah, vice versa. Paul had a Timothy. He also had a Barnabas. It is God's design that we learn how to run together and work together. I believe that there are um, four things. I'll just say this. Um, You can look at it on your own time later. Numbers 13, I alluded to this. You know, Moses sent out the 12 spies. They go out and and they they see the land that God's God's promised them. Did you hear that? God had promised them this land. (laughs) And they go out and they see the land, but they saw the giants in the land more than they saw the promise of God. Except for Joshua and Caleb, they came back. It was interesting, you can spend some time reading it, but it says they see us like grasshoppers because they saw themselves like grasshoppers. And so because of that, they came back and they gave the report, and this whole community listened to the ten and then the Lord, I mean, the Lord was just like, all right, Moses, you know, forget these people. We'll just use your, your family and land. And Moses was like, no, you got to stick to what you said to all of the nations. You can read it. I'm paraphrasing. But literally, I mean, no, Moses could have just said, okay, start over. I'm tired of these people. I mean, it was not an easy job he had. But he, he stayed to that place of what the Lord was saying. And then there was this, okay, for every day, the grumbling and complaining, there's going to be a year of wandering. And Moses tells the people, and then the people, in verse in Numbers 14, it says, Moses told these words to the children of Israel, and the people mourned greatly. 
And then they rose up the next morning and they went to the mountain. They said, well, here we are. We'll go up to the place the Lord has promised us we have sinned. And Moses said, why do you transgress the command of the Lord? This will not succeed. Do not go up, lest you be defeated by your enemies. For the Lord's not among you, for the Amalek's. And the Canaanites are there before you, and you will fall by the sword because you have turned away from the Lord, and the Lord will not go with you. But nevertheless, they presumed to go up to the mountaintop, but neither the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord nor Moses departed from the camp. And the Amalekites, Amalekites and the Canaanites who dwelt in the mountains came down and attacked them. A year later, where, where Joshua and the younger generation had been properly aligned and, and the generations are moving together as one, the battle is won. A year later, they decided, okay, well, we were wrong. We're just going to go. And they went outside of the council of the Lord, and it was disastrous. <laughs> anyway, just something to think about. <laughs> um, there's four things I want to highlight that fathers and mothers, the older generation, I believe, carry to actually impart to the younger generation. And the first um, I want to look at is wisdom and counsel. Look at Deuteronomy 34, 9. It says, Joshua, the son of Nun was full of the spirit of wisdom for Moses had laid his hands on him so the children of Israel heeded him and did as the Lord had commanded Moses Joshua and Moses walked together for 40 years there were times where Joshua there was there's one time in particular where Joshua sees the spirit of God um, pour out on all the elders and he's concerned and Moses is like no no I, I, all the, the Holy Spirit the Spirit of God would be on all the people <laughs> you know Joshua and Moses Moses would go up the mountain and Joshua you know he's his, he's his servant he's his helper he's positioned and he would be right there there's places where it talks about Moses would go in and meet with the Lord and he'd leave and then Joshua would stay in the presence of the Lord Joshua had in his heart to learn and to glean. And Moses, you know, knew I'm not the one to carry him into the promised land. And the Lord said, I want you to lay your hands on him and apart. You know, there was a, I guess the point I'm saying is there was an intentionality on both of them to turn their hearts to one another. There was intentionality. There was close proximity. You know, the, there's some things of wisdom and experience you know, have you ever heard that saying, like, people don't really want to know what you know until they know that you care? You know, it's not about, here, let me just tell you everything I know. But it's actually when this is a, is a mother or a father to turn my heart to this, come up to get to know and to be able to learn and to genuinely care. It's going to take the Spirit of God to turn, do the turning of the hearts. Proverbs 1 through 9 um, the Proverbs of Solomon, all, all the Proverbs just talks about all these different places of wisdom. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to perceive instruction of wisdom and justice. You know, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You know, so I would say as a younger person, 
You're looking for people that have a relationship with the Lord that they, they've been cultivating. That's the best. I mean, there's a lot of um, worldly wisdom that will not get you anywhere. It's important to seek out people that you know have a relationship with the Lord. <clears throat> Proverbs 4, um, this is just a very powerful, you know, I think we, uh, last week I touched a little bit about how a spirit of independence or pride, I don't need you, or I don't need you, like that can actually bring a schism and division. I, I, <laughs> you know, I can, I can hear, you know, um, I don't know, maybe it's just in the spirit of our culture. You know, you can't tell me what to do. <laughs> you know, it's like we so much want to, and, and I don't know, have you ever thought about how when we come into the world, we're completely dependent, completely dependent. And when we leave, we're completely dependent. And yet somehow or another, we, we get hit that 14, 15, and all of a sudden we just want to do it ourselves, and we want to be independent. And yet we need one another. And I think that, that having that place of recognizing I don't have all the answers and I can submit thoughts and ideas and to people that have gone before me, what, do, what are you thinking about this? Okay, so Proverbs 4. Hear, my children, the instructions of a father. Give attention to no understanding. For I give you a good doctrine. Don't forsake my law. When I was my father's son, tender, and the only one inside of my mother, he taught me also and said to me, let your heart retain my words. Keep my commands and live. Get wisdom. Get understanding. Don't forsake or turn away from the words of my mouth. Don't forsake her. And you can read this whole proverb is on wisdom proverbs eleven fourteen: where there's no counsel the people fall but in the multitude of counselors there's safety proverbs 12 15 the way of a fool is right in his own eyes but he who heeds counsel is wise by pride proverbs 13 10 by pride nothing comes but strife but with well advised is wisdom proverbs 15 22 to without counsel, plans go awry, but in the multitude of counselors, they're established. And here's the thing, you know, as an as a, um, older person, um, I'll find myself, you know, I might go for a walk with someone, and, and I'm listening, and I'm, I'm hearing, and I'm praying. But out of honor... I mean, even with my own children, I mean, it's a different season. When, they're, when they were little, like, I was establishing some things, and now they're their own people. But I'll ask, can I, can I share an impression I have with you? You know, I'm building, I'm, I'm asking for permission. And then to recognize, though, um, I'm speaking as a mother to sons and daughters, they're their own people. They're going to have to walk out their, their journey. And so I don't have the right to, like, get offended or frustrated because they don't hear what I might have to say. And I'll say, I mean, there's times I'll go, I really feel the Lord on this, but you prayerfully, I submit it to you, you prayerfully consider. I'm going to appeal to the Spirit of God in them. It's not an issue of me trying to tell people what to do. That's, that's, that is not turning the hearts of the Father's to the children is about and vice versa. Does that make sense?
Okay, just something that kind of popped in my head as we were talking. All right, second thing I want to focus on is covering and protection. This is something that the older generation, mothers and fathers, um, actually carry um, for those coming behind them, covering and protection. Um, Timothy, 2 Timothy 1, 3 through 7, Paul says, I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience, as my forefathers did is without ceasing, I remember you in my prayers day and night. I mean, Paul is writing to Timothy, and he's saying, I'm covering you in prayer. I, I see you. I give thanks for you. I'm greatly desiring to see you. So he has that heart of relationship. Being mindful of your tears that I may be filled with joy. When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that's in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded is in you also. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of hands. For God has not given you a spirit of fear, but power and love and sound mind. So once again, you see that that close proximity like, there's been things that have been imparted to you through the laying on our hands. When our kids were little, on um, Sundays usually, we would make a time for the Father's blessing. And um, we, we had a, I don't know, maybe it wasn't always, I don't know why I'm thinking Sundays, but anyway, regularly, weekly, where we would create space and time as a family. And man, those kids, they could not wait to just, I mean, they just knew, like, my daddy's getting ready to lay his hands on me and just give me his best shot. And they would like, they, they would like crawl and go down, they'd get down on their knees and he would just love on them. He just, you know, whatever, whatever he see, he saw they needed. And a lot of times he would actually speak. Like you might be seeing this child struggling in a season of anger and he would just lay his hands and I bless you with peace and rest. You know, he, he wouldn't, I mean, some, there's something about the power of spoken word and blessing. Um, anyway, and also back into that covering and protection the next thing I want to highlight that I believe fathers and mothers have to impart is courage and encouragement. Look at Esther 4. Here's another example. This is Esther and Mordecai. I had to, I've been using my iPad because I have so many little stickies here. Haman had created a decree to wipe out, destroy the Jewish people. Mordecai, verse 1 says, he learned all that happened. He tore his clothes and he put on sackcloth and ashes and he went out into the midst of the city. He cried out with a loud voice and a bitter cry and he went as far as the front of the king's gate for no one might enter the king's gate with clothed with sackcloth. And in every province where the king's command and decree arrived, there was great mourning among the Jews with fasting and weeping and wailing, and many laid in sackcloth and ashes. So Esther, who's now the queen, 
her maids and eunuchs came and told her, and the queen was deeply distressed. So she sent garments to clothe Mordecai, take off his sackcloth away from him, but he would not accept them. Then Esther called to Hamak, one of the king's eunuchs, whom he had appointed to attend, and he, he gave her, um, she gave him a command concerning Mordecai to learn what and why was this? What was he so upset about? So Hathak went to Mordecai in the city square that was in front of the king's gate. And Mordecai told him all that had happened to him and the, the sum of money that Haman had promised to pay into the king's treasury to destroy the Jews. He also gave him a copy of the written decree for their destruction which was given to Shushan, that he might show it to Esther and explain to her that he might command her to go to the king and make supplication to him and plead before him for her people. So Hathak returned and told Esther the words, and Esther spoke to Hathak and gave him a command for Mordecai. All the king's servants and people of the king's provinces know that if any man or woman who goes into the inner court of the king who's not been called to, that king has this law to put all to death except the one who the king holds out the golden scepter. I myself haven't been called to go in to the king for 30 days. So here's the picture. Esther is the queen. <laughs> and she's saying, eh, the king hasn't called me for 30 days. I'm not going to go because if I go and he doesn't extend the scepter, I could die. The, the queen before Esther, the whole book starts out, sad story. <laughs> I'm sure Esther's aware of that. Guys, the Bible is fascinating, so full of life. Spend some time in it, it's incredible. Sorry, I just... <laughs> mm. So Mordecai, they told Mordecai Esther's words. Mordecai told them to answer Esther. Do not think in your heart that you will escape the king's palace any more than all the other Jews. For if you remain silent, completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. Yet, who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. He's speaking courage. Esther told them to reply to Mordecai, go gather all the Jews who are present in Shushan and fast for me. See, Esther is like, I can't do this on my own. <laughs> you see the generations coming together. This is what not, wasn't a one person thing. This is a, a God thing through a community coming together. She says, Fast for me for these three days, day and night. My maids and I will fast likewise, and I will go to the king, which is against the law, and if I perish, I perish. It took Mordecai speaking courage to her, just like Timothy said, stir up the gifts, and you don't let people look down on you because you're young. Stir up the gifts. And so that's something I believe that we can, just like I was telling you when I was, you know, the couple in the neighborhood, like they saw me walking, and they're like, we hear you doing a marathon. You've got this. Go. I mean, just the spoken word of you've got this. Our words can be powerful. 
imparting courage and encouragement. You know, one thing that I have so come and appreciate, I, I can't tell you the number of times, Joe Jane, in fact, I came across a letter you wrote me last year. She hand wrote me a letter at 101. After I'd fallen, broke my face. You remember that? I'll, I'll cherish it forever. She wrote me saying, I don't know why, but I know Jesus is with you, and you are his, his precious daughter, and he's taking care of you. She sent, she sent me two pictures. You know, she, she may not think that she has much to offer, but that offered so much to me. You know, I, I said last week, and I said I'm not exaggerating. You know, uh, y'all weren't here, so I'll say it again. You know, Earl and Fonda, like, they, they have imparted courage and, and covering where I don't know that we would still be standing. Thank you. And Don Lee and the Caros. So and so, like, I, I, so I, 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 for all of us, guys, all of us have someone that's gone before us. And we all can turn to see who's coming behind us. We, we really need, and all this is actually, is, is discipleship. I want to be a disciple, a lover, a follower of Jesus, who turns to go, hey, we're in this together. We're going to run after him together. And would, while you're running, would you turn and see who you can turn to and pour into, and let's run together. Okay. The fourth thing I believe that... God's highlighted about receiving from fathers and mothers is identity. Guys, there's a generation that desperately needs identity. And you know what? The church is being quiet, and we're, yeah, I don't know if it's, oh, we're just going on things of God. We're not seeing the next generation, but there is a, there is a, a there's been a void and a vacuum is filling it. There's such a war. And so, um, and this is an, oh, please do children. Guys, we need, I don't, if, whether you're serving up there or not, be intentional to see the people around you, to speak forth. Say, God, help me to see them the way you see them. And that's how I want to relate to them and call out and draw out. I'm not going to define you by this present moment. I'm going to ask the Lord to help me to see him in you because you bear the image of God. What is it that he has put in you that I'm going to, like, I'm going to be like a gold digger, looking for it, drawing it out? And I'm not going to define you by this present moment, but I'm going to see you by the Spirit, and I'm going to relate to you in that way. You know, biblical times, when they name a child... The name was chosen to speak forth identity. Like we've lost sight of that. But my, my name, Eliza, means consecrated to God. I believe the Lord took my parents up on that whether they knew it or not. My life has been given to and consecrated to God before. I mean, I can't even remember a time that I didn't love Jesus. You know, identity is poor. I was thinking about Jesus. You know, he, he gets baptized, and, and you can read it in Luke, and the, the sky opens up, the dove comes down, and there's a voice saying, this is my son, in whom I'm well pleased. It is so important to have our identity shored up in the Lord, who he is and who we are in him, so that we are unshakable by all the other things that try to redefine who we are. It's like Sam said last week, you know, he, when we were young 
and just married, and, you know, I remember talking, like, hey, if you could do anything, be anything, because well, I'd love to be a pastor, but I don't see how that could ever happen. You know, he was thinking seminary, and, you know, I have a wife, and a baby on the way, and all that. You know, and, you know, we, um, we just had in our hearts, we have one life to live for Jesus, let's, let's just, I wasn't really interested in just, like, living, you know, the American dream, and I just, like, I just want to be in the center with Jesus, and I have one life to give to him, one life to pour out to him, one life to know him, just one life. And we, you know, we had our ups and downs and all around, and we were in a season where he was um, unemployed, been looking for a job for six months. Joe Jane talked about how sometimes God will take where you are, and he will disrupt everything to get you to where you need to be. And we get so frustrated about this. He goes, if you would just trust me in this and know that I have good things over here, but we're going to have to shake things up a little bit. And that's what was happening in us. We, you know, we walked six months without a job, and he was supernaturally provision, providing for us, and all we wanted was the job. We wanted the security. And God's like, no, 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 I'm, I'm just being honest. We, we, you know, it's like, and all of a sudden you realize, oh, like, living by faith, you're serious about that? We didn't really like that idea. If we were honest, scary stuff. And I remember when Bryn Jones, this um, apostolic father from New England, England, across the sea, he was visiting, and, and Sam's, you know, he's like, just pray for me, pray that God gives us a job, I need a job. And he looked at him, and he goes, I'll tell you why. You haven't got a job yet? You're a pastor. And this apostolic church planner, he spoke to my husband, you're a pastor. And it's like a light bulb went off. I'm a pastor. He looked at me, I'm a pastor. I mean, he'd been functioning like that all along. Anyway, identity is important. I think about through um, my own life, words, prophetic words that have been spoken and, you know, a lot of times God will speak things before they are. I mean, he looked at Peter, who was Simon, and says, you're Peter, a rock. Peter, you know, he's still shaky. Anyway, that's something we have an honor to see people by the Spirit and to help speak forth. And once again, it's not like I'm not saying, well, I'm a doctor, and so I'm a doctor, so you should be a doctor because we're a family of doctors. That's not what I'm talking about. Talking about lining, saying, Lord, I need to see this one. How do you see them and relate to them is that way? You know, 1 Timothy 1 8, <clears throat> talking about the prophetic words. I, Timothy, um, Paul said to Timothy, I charge you, I commit to you, Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that you may by them wage good warfare. <laughs> Early on, I was spoken. I was I was shy. I was insecure. I, I told Sam this morning, like I'm, I'm an introvert, and I don't like talking in front of people. And so on Sunday mornings, <laughs> when I'm having to talk, especially on Mother's Day, like I'm feeling all the feels. Mother's Day is a bittersweet day for a lot of people. There was a oh anyway, just anyway. So I'm feeling all that. And I told Sam, I said, I just need to wait and get there at ten because I I, I can't handle. Like, it takes so much. But anyway, <clears throat> but there was the, all these words kept going, you're a voice, you're going to speak, you're a mother of Israel. You're, and I'm like, what? 
I had to come to those places. God, this is who you say I am. And that's from other people. I mean, I can't tell you how many times for a season I kept hearing, you're like a Deborah, you're, you know, you're a mother of Israel. Like, what does that even mean? I'm still learning. But God, if you say you've given me a voice, Lord, even though I feel like I feel so insecure, in my weaknesses, you're strong, you can be that voice in me. So the prophetic word's important. I have a lot more, but I feel like that's all we'll do today. Hmm. I changed my mind. <laughs> I'm skipping a lot. I went through my original thing from last week. I told you I had eight sermons. Like last week, I cut out everything I put in part one, and then I added a bunch more, and I took out part two. And like I've skipped a lot. And I, but anyway, I do want to. I feel like we want to. I'm going to finish. Hmm. I'm just going to go in the flow that we're here. Okay. Elijah and Elisha. Elijah had in 1 Kings 18, he had um, stood in the place against the spirit of Jezebel and the altar and called down fire. And with the, I'm paraphrasing. Read it. It's really incredible. He just seen the fire, pour the water on, pour the water on. He cried out, fire on the altar, fire came. Jezebel finds out about it. She's like, you're done. And he goes from this mountain high place in the Lord running for his life. Um, I feel like the reason that the Lord's highlighting this right now is I just want to speak to the older generation. Sometimes we can go through disappointments, discouragements, warfare, um, risk, and it's really easy going, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. And I feel like, well, Lord, there's an invitation. I'm going to just read this so that I'm just... Um, let me do this. So here's Elijah. And verse 4 in chapter 19. He went a day's journey into the wilderness and came down and sat down under a broom tree. And he prayed that he might die. Jesus, can you just come back now? I'm done. He said, it is enough. Lord, take my life. I mean, he had just seen a supernatural God answer by fire. It wasn't like he had had a bad day. He had had a great day. And the enemy just said, bam. So he's, he's, he, and sometimes we can go through these places. This is real. We're human. Take my life, I'm no better. And he laid and he slept under a broom tree. Suddenly an angel touched him and said, rise up and eat. I love how God is so practical. Son, you need some food in your belly. <laughs> and he looked, and there by his head was a, a cake baked on coals and water. And he ate and drank, and he laid down again. 
And the angel came back the second time, touched him and said, Arise and eat because the journey is too great for you. And he rose and he ate and he drank and he, he went and strength on that food for 40 days and 40 nights as far as Herod, the mountain of the Lord. And there he went into a cave. And he spent the night in that place. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said, well, what are you doing here, Elijah? I just feel like the Lord is in meeting some that may have decided, I'm just going to retreat to a cave. You're needed. You're needed. Every one of you are needed. And Elijah said, I've been zealous for the Lord of hosts and for the children of Israel. They've forsaken your covenant and tore down your altars and killed your prophets. And sword I alone am left. They seek to take my life. And he said, get out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. <laughs> and behold, the Lord passed by. And a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still small voice. So it was when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in the mantle. And he went out and he stood at the entrance of the cave. And suddenly a voice came to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts. <laughs> he just said that. Because the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant and tore down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword and island and left. They seek to take my life. And the Lord said to him, go, return your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive, anoint Hazel as king over Syria. And anoint Jehu, son of Nishim, as king over Israel. And Elisha the son of Shamphat of Abel, you shall anoint him as prophet in your place. And it will be that whoever escapes the sword of Hazael, Jehu will kill. And whoever escapes the sword of Jehu, Elisha will kill. He goes on in verse 19. He departed from there. He found Elisha, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen before him. And he was with the 12th. And Elijah passed by and threw his mantle on him. <laughs> And Elisha left the oxen, and he ran after Elijah. And he said, please, let me kiss my father and mother, and then I'll follow you. And he said, go back again, for what have I done to you? So Elisha turned back from him, and he took a yoke of oxen and slaughtered them, boiled their flesh using the oxen equipment, and he gave, he used, he boiled, he used, the, he used the ox equipment. It was a, Picking up and following. What, what he was had in his hand, he, he used as an altar, to, and they, they ate, and then he arose and he followed Elijah and became his servant. You know, I just want to say, it wasn't like, you know, God 
spoke to Elijah, and then Elijah did exactly what he said, and he found Elisha. But they walked together for seven or eight years. It wasn't like, okay, you're done with me. So, so yeah, nope. There was that mentoring. And you can read. We'll go ahead and read. So I'm sorry. I just I want to finish this. So they're running together. I just want to see. I want you to see this picture. So 2 Kings 2, what I read to you first in 1 Kings 19, that was in suggested 865 B.C., and so, 8.52, how many years is that? Here's the math, people. 13 years. Is that right? Thank you. <laughs> 13 years they run together. Chapter 2, 2 Kings. And it came to pass when the Lord was about to take up Elijah. I want you to see what's in Elisha's heart. Because, see, it's, it's the turning both ways. It came to pass when the Lord was about to take up Elijah into heaven, a whirlwind that Elijah went to Elisha from Gilgal. And Elijah said to Elisha, stay here, for the Lord has sent me on to Bethel. So Elijah's telling Elisha, you stay here. God's telling me to go to Bethel. But Elisha said, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I'm not leaving you. So they went down to Bethel, and now the sons of the prophets who were at Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that the Lord will take away your master from you today? And he said, Yes, I know. Keep silent. <laughs> then Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me on to Jericho. But Elisha said, As the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. <laughs> So they came to Jericho, and then the sons of the prophets who were at Jericho came to Elisha and said, Do you know that the Lord's going to take your master from you today? And he said, Yes, I know. Keep silent. And Elijah came to him and said, Stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me on to Jordan. And Elisha said, As the Lord lives, and as long as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. And 50 men of the sons of the prophets went and stood facing them in the distance while the two of them stood by the Jordan. And Elijah took his mantle, rolled it up, and struck the water. And it was divided so that the two of them crossed over on dry ground. And so it was when they crossed over. Elijah said to Elisha, ask. What may I do for you before I'm taking away? And Elisha said, please, let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. And he said, you have asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you see me when I'm taken from you, it will be so for you. But if not, it will not be so. And then it happened as they continued on and talked, that suddenly a chariot of fire appeared of horses and fire and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up in a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it, and he cried out, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and his horsemen. And he saw him no more. 
And he took a hold of his own clothes and he tore them in pieces. And then he took up the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him. And he went back and he stood at the bank of the Jordan. And then he took the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him. And he struck the water and said, where's the Lord God of Elijah? And when he also struck the water, it was divided. This way and that, and Elisha crawled, crossed over. And when the sons of the prophets who were from Jericho saw him, they said, the spirit of Elijah rests on Elisha. It was known that there was a double portion anointing. There was something about Elisha that so valued what Elijah carried and stuck through that. Here's a couple of things. I just want to, some words as I was um, prayerfully considering last night. Just some words that were popping up. Intentionality. We need to be intentional. This is so counter culture. It's counter flesh. Proximity. We need to be near one another. We need to spend time with one another. We need to build that relationship. You know, uh, there was a, a book we read a long time ago in parenting, and um, it was talking about how you can have positional authority and then you can have rational authority where like you're trying to reason with someone well honey if you go out in the street and a car comes it's not going to go for you you know but then there's that relational you want to build relational authority it that comes from you you're you're showing i love you i'm for you you're building into that it takes availability um an investment of time and resources. When Sam's um, dad passed away this spring, um, we were in, in Florida and we stayed at the beach a couple of days and, and then we came back and we um, got back and I was talking to Abel. He's like, Mimi, we're out going to Holden Beach. Are you going to come? And I'm like, are you guys going to Holden Beach? <laughs> and um, anyway, to make a long story short, Samuel or and, and Marissa and um, the Arrowwoods, they decided to get a beach house. And, um, and I was like, oh, that's cool. You know, our kids are going to be together at my favorite place in the world. <laughs> I was happy. And then they called and they invited us to come and, and Sam was just like, I just can't. I mean, his heart was so heavy. The thought of packing up and just being at the beach just doesn't sound very pleasant. He's like, well, you can go if you want to. I mean, he knows it's my favorite place with my favorite. Well, you guys are my favorite people too, but you know. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, you're my. Yeah, you are. That's right. <laughs> and, um, and so... I was like, Sam, I'm not going to leave you and go to the beach because right now this is where I'm to be. And so Samuel, you know, that might have been like Thursday or Friday. They were leaving on Monday, so Samuel calls, Mom, Dad, are you sure you guys, you don't have to do anything. Just come. We just want to be with you. We just want to be with you. And so by now, I mean, Sam loves his kids. I don't know if you all noticed this or not. <laughs> He loves his kids. And, and Sam's like, well, maybe maybe we can go down Thursday. You know, so he's, he's thinking, okay, maybe by Thursday 
I'll be, I'll be ready to go. I'm like, okay, well, if that's what you want. Because I'm thinking, I'm, I'm just here with you. Like, whatever, that's, that's my assignment. And so then he goes, okay, well, maybe, maybe we'll go Wednesday night. And we'll just, that way we can have all day. I'm like, okay, if that's what you want. So I'm like pivoting. Okay, cool. And so then Tuesday morning, he gets up, he goes, let's go today. And I'm like, I can't go today. Like, I just need to, so we got, our, we, got our, we, we got ourselves down there, and we go there, and it, you know, you understand, like, we're um, in a season where things are shifting, and they've been shifting for a while, you know, but they're shifting, and I, and I saw, I experienced something that was just so incredible, so anyway, they provide, they have this beautiful house, we don't want y'all to pay for anything. You don't have to worry about food. We're going to take care of you. Like, they just wanted to be with us, and they wanted to love us. You, We've got, and I've seen you as 31. We have 31 years of pouring into them. <laughs> pouring. And it's been the greatest joy of my life. There's nothing more exciting than me to see my kids rise up in who they are. And to see just, it's the greatest thing to me. But anyway, um, we wake up one morning. I'm not a morning person, generally speak. Well, I, let me rephrase that. I'm a morning person with coffee and Jesus. I'm not a morning person with other people. <laughs> and I'm not usually a breakfast person, but so I get a text from Elise. We've got breakfast for you if you want to join us. You know, so I go downstairs, and Sam was out on the beach with Abel. I think you were fishing. And the whole family are sitting at the table. There's, um, I'm at one end, they've got the place, they're bringing me food. I mean, I feel like I am like being treated really nice. And I look and there's Samuel and Marissa and their kids. And then there's the, you know, Laura and Elise and um, the house, you know, so I'm sitting at this table. And I, I look across the table at the very end and Laura is sitting across this long table at the end. And I'm looking around, and I'm just overwhelmed. I'm just overwhelmed. I'm just, I can't, I'm like, what's going on? And I just tear, I don't even realize I'm crying. Just tears are pouring down my face. And Elise goes, Mom, what's going on? And I just said, I'm like seeing time shift around. Because when I was a Laura's age, I used to sit at tables. I was a Laura. <laughs> and I can remember seeing my, my, my aunts and my grandparents and the family. And, the gender, and I was just struck with how this family thing, like that's in my natural family, but this thing in the spirit of generations one to another is precious and beautiful, special. I want to say that we need to make space where it's okay to make mistakes. Mothers and fathers, we have to give our spiritual kids and our natural kids room to grow. We have to learn how to be teachable and humble. There will be times as a mother or a father that you're going to realize, wow, I have something I didn't have to give when my kids were young. I had a situation just in the last month where I, I knew the Lord said, you need to call this one particular child on this. 
And I did. I called her and I said, hey, you know what? I, I want you to hear me all the way through. I know I'm a good mom, so I don't want you to, like, I'm not saying it. Like, I don't mean that in a private way, like, but, like, I, I've given my best. But I realized I had, I didn't have something that you needed. And this is where I see it played out. Would you forgive me? And, and so that, that teaches that place of building relationships. She's like, oh, mom, I, I, I can't wait to be like you when I grow up. I said, honey, you, you passed me, <laughs> which is good. Vulnerability, willing to share our weaknesses. Here's a really important thing. As a mother and father, pursue healing, health, and wholeness. You know, we all are coming from broken people <laughs> that are broken people. And so never stop learning. Never stop growing. Pursue that healing, health, and wholeness. Keep your love on even when it's hard. Keep your love on. Keep it on. Keep it on. You might have to establish some healthy boundaries, but you keep being you and the Lord whether they're receiving it or not. Keep your love on. Hold on to the prophetic promises. Ask the Lord, Lord, I need to see you know, this kid the way you designed them. And hold on to those things. Do not, do not, do not, do not leave them in your mind what you see with your eye. See him by the Spirit. I'm sorry I get to that point where I just need to go, yeah, Lord, well, what do you want to do? <laughs> Lord, just wait on him for just a minute. Daniel was, are you playing keyboards or is somebody playing keyboards? Jeremy? He's like, she asked me. <laughs> you know, this, this message is very, very broad. It could touch a lot of different places. So I'm just going to throw out a few, and, and, and I feel like this is something where just this can be a place. I mean, if, if God could meet Elijah and give him some food and go to the cave and speak to you, like he, he can meet you, like what it is, what you need. Because there's so many different things. But what if we all just said, Lord, Remove the hindrances in my life that would prevent me to turning and receiving from fathers and mothers and also turning and investing to the next generation. Maybe you've, you know, maybe you're like, I don't know how to be a, a father or mother. I didn't really have a father or mother. Or maybe you might have some places where you're just 
angry. It's time to let some things go. Or maybe you have had disappointment and you're worn out and you're like, I don't know. I mean, sometimes we invest and we invest and sometimes we don't see what we thought we'd see, but we cannot give up. We cannot let go. Maybe you're like, you, you realize, well, I've kind of like wanted to distance myself from those coming before me because they're really scary. <laughs> or maybe you're like, well, they're kind of scary too. <laughs> Here's one thing I know for sure is we've got to get fear out of the equation because fear hides love. Perfect love drives out fear. Fear is present and you get crazy town. You get the reactions, and this is something else I feel like the Lord wants us to learn how to come to the moment in a situation going, Lord, how do I respond in this situation? Like learning how to wait on the Lord and running with him. So I just want to make some space and place up here, you know, and, and, and just sometimes it takes like getting up and out and saying, I don't know anything about this, but Lord, if you want to just show me one person that I can turn to, and receive from. You know, it might be as simple as, you know, next week inviting Joe Jane out for lunch. <laughs> and just thanks for sharing your story. See, it goes back to intentionality. Sometimes we get offended. Well, nobody's turning another heart to me. Well, get moving towards them. <laughs> Find someone. You know, I want, um, I was just thinking about something that um, Joe Jane said. That a lot of times um, when she was, when she said when she was at a moment when she was heavy and um, overwhelmed and, and depressed and not depression, overwhelmed and, and just, there was a lot of pressure on you. It seems as though is that those are the moments in time when the Holy Spirit wants to touch you. Because it's in the moment where you just do not know exactly where to go, what to do, and what to say. And it's just kind of ironic that in the midst of some of the most challenging places in life you can receive joy it's almost like well doesn't seem to be really a moment to be joyful because of circumstances but because of the oil of joy that's from the holy spirit it's like you know he's always in a good mood and and joy the anointing of the spirit of joy, it, it breaks the heaviness and it, it kind of like it lifts it off of you. It breaks it off of you. When I was going through a very challenging time in my college years, I, all of a sudden I got prayer and, and I just got so overwhelmed by joy I started laughing and I'm thinking 
I'm laughing, but I was really just sad, but now I'm laughing, and it didn't make sense, but that's like God. He's like, I have the solution for the situation that you're in, and it's my Holy Spirit. My Holy Spirit touches you in a way that fills you with a supernatural joy, and you're able to receive the presence and the power of Almighty God in your life. Some of the people that have shared here in the last couple of weeks, one of the themes that you hear time and time again is receiving the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And you got to think about it. If you have of these people, we have almost 500 years. And if a major theme is being shared that the Holy Spirit transformed my life, I would think that's something we need to heed to and take notice of. Don't you? Don't you think that that's something we need to think, okay, there's a key here. There's a secret maybe of something they know that I don't know. That if the Holy Spirit can help me persevere to the end, I need the Holy Spirit. And I think if you've been in a place where there's been a lot going on of pressure and challenges and you just don't see any out of your, of your situation, I think that's the time where you are to turn to the Holy Spirit. So if you're in a season right now where you need an intervention, you need some help, I think we need to say, God, I need the power of the Holy Spirit to fill me with joy. I need the Holy Spirit to come and rest upon me. And if you need the Holy Spirit and you just want to just be before the Lord and just begin to pray, I, I just want you to come on up front and just kneel just up here. And let's just be transparent before the Lord where, God, I am desperate now. Unless you intervene, this is not going to go down very well. So I want you all to stand. Father, I just ask right now if there be anyone in this house that needs to be filled with joy, the joy of the Holy Spirit that strengthens them, encourages them to give them perseverance that we might press on to the end till we see you face to face. Lord, I ask if there's anyone here that just needs a touch from you, Holy Spirit, I just want you to come forward. I just want you just to sit up front. Because you know what? Joe Jane said something that's really important. You gotta make sure that you keep your pride in your back pocket. You know, there's a lot of times we worry about what are people going to think? Oh, well, you know what? It, 
This is not a time to be worrying about what people think. I've always said this. It's none of my business what other people think about me. So if you need the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit, I want you just to come and position yourself before the Lord. I ask Holy Spirit that you come into this place in power. I'm asking Holy Spirit that you come and rest upon your people. I'm asking Holy Spirit that you would come and baptize your people in the power of the Holy Spirit and with the oil of joy. I'm asking for the oil of joy to fill the hearts of your people. I ask Holy Spirit that you come in now and strengthen the hearts of your people. I'm asking now that you would come and rest upon your people. I'm asking now, I, I want to ask even some of the uh, older seasoned ones to come. I want you to come and just stand behind them and pray over them and just ask for them to receive the presence of the Holy Spirit. Could I ask some, anyone, just come on up, those that you know that are have the Holy Spirit to pray over those right now. Holy Spirit, I ask now that you come that they would receive now, receive the Holy Spirit. For it is a gift from the Father. And I ask Holy Spirit now that you would fill them up with the oil of joy. Come Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a gift. And you just, some of you are thinking, well, I don't even know how to receive it. You receive it with your hands open and you receive it in faith. Because it's a gift from God to you. Jesus said, receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. It is a gift from the Father. And I'm asking now for the gift to be released, Lord, to your people. Holy Spirit, now let your anointing mightily come upon them. And I thank you for the days of joy are ahead. Let the river of God flow in this place. I thank you, Holy Spirit.